0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Oh, Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 487 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast, another meaningless episode with guest artists and guest
1: writers. My name is Matt Fox So many fill-ins, and I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Millions of years ago, Matt and I were bonded by a million-year-old curse, making that curse impossibly old, and our timeline more ridiculous than the Star Wars mythos. But that's beside the point. Now we read comics and yell about it on the Internet.
0: On this week's exciting episode, we'll review Flavor, number one, and new challenges, number one. After that, we'll review eight more comics during the ludicrous speed round. Pop into the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, talk about our must-read picks for next week, and finally, we've got a spoilerific review of Solo, a Star Wars story, as part of our nerd at the movie segment, but before we cannonball into this nerdy pool, we got to talk about this week's Nerd
1: News Nerd Memorial News. Day Edition. Ooh, special edition. Yeah, long weekend. All right, from the Mandalorian desk, Logan director James Mangold is in talks to direct a Star Wars anthology film based on Boba Fett. This is, of course, according to the Hollywood Reporter, like most things we write. Yeah. Boba Fett would reportedly follow Solo, a Star Wars story, as the next in Lucasfilm's series of films set outside the scope of its ongoing saga movies. That's in air quotes. Right. Now, this is not the first time this news has come up. Uh, News of a Boba Fett film has been swirling around for a while. Uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix director Simon Kinberg was previously reported to be working on the film. Uh, he produced several previous Star Wars films. Who knows if they're the same movie? I don't even know. I don't even know if we need a Boba Fett movie. I'm going to go on record right now. I don't need a Boba Fett movie. Like, like I, I need it.
0: I don't want to know the mystery of Boba Fett. And by the way, shut up, Boba Fett guy. I get it. Boba Fett is cool as hell. I, don't tweet at me. I love Boba Fett as much as you love Boba Fett. There are certain characters we don't need a whole goddamn movie about. When this was purportedly like a bounty hunters movie. I was kind of interested to see like how that works, you know, the world of the bounty hunter or whatever. But Boba Fett doesn't talk. He has like four goddamn lines. No personality may or may not be a Kiwi. If you're going to make that go away. Great. I'm, jump, I
1: I got it. You know what?
0: You want to piss everybody off? Boba Fett takes his helmet off and it's a black woman.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> now are they are they still treating the prequels as canon? Because if they are, I've got all the backstory of Boba Fett that I will ever need.
0: Well, we will get into that with our spoilerific review of Solo, and that's something we need to talk about. We're just going to have to work our way through it. This is barely going to be a, a review of the movie for me, by the way. This is going to be me wrapping my head about what in the fuck does <laughs> yeah, this mean? I have a lot freak. more <laughs> knowledge
1: about what happened than you, so we'll work it out. We'll work it out together. <laughs> okay. Um, no, so, I don't need a Boba Fett movie. Boba Fett, I,
0: I mean, you can't pull off the Clint Eastwood spaghetti western, you know, tall dark stranger that barely talks when he wears a fucking helmet the whole time and he may or may not be a Kiwi. You gotta,
1: you know, Matt, clear that up. Him being a Kiwi has nothing to do with it. By I the, say Kiwi because he's a clone. There are no... Okay, k- listen. You're being super racist, by the way. He's a clone of his dad. That doesn't mean... That's not. What, so are all the fucking stormtroopers. That's not what Kiwi means, Matt. They're all Kiwis. They're from New Zealand. They're not from New Zealand. They're from space.
0: There are no sure. Kiwis in space. The actor is from New Zealand. I understand. you being the racist now. You are. There's no Kiwis in space. You heard it here.
1: Look, Matt.
0: Disgusting. That's
1: just a fact. New Zealand is on Earth. That's just a fact. I'm sorry.
0: Can we agree that we don't need a Boba Fett
1: movie? Yes. We don't need it. Can we agree that
0: you're super racist? You're the racist. From our Spidey villain desk, big news. Jake Gyllenhaal is finally getting that Marvel role he always wanted, sorta kinda. (laughs) Over in the Spider-Man movies as Mysterio. Gyllenhaal is in talks to play the aquarium head for Marvel Studios Spider-Man homecoming sequel, Spider-Man Still Home. Spider-Man creates Stanley and Spider-Man Prom. (laughs) Spider-Man creators Stanley and Steve Ditko introduced Mysterio in the comics back in 1964. Mysterio was a special effects expert named Quentin Beck who used his talents to create elaborate illusions, to commit crimes, and to fight Spider-Man. Another one of those Spidey villains that spends
1: way more
0: money on their gimmick than they probably
1: <laughs> ever made as a criminal. Well, I you know think Mysterio I mean? was really more out for respect because he was disgraced. I,
0: th- I guess. Just like Job from Arrested Development.
1: Yeah. Jill, A trick Jill- is something a whore does for money, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Hall was at one candy. time. Yeah. <laughs> Gyllenhaal
0: Hall was at one time in consideration to replace Tobey Maguire for Sony Pictures Spider Man 2 in 2002. Due to Maguire's back injury, Maguire was ultimately able to continue in the role, cutting short Gyllenhaal's Hall's chance for that role at the time. Now, there is a legend here that the back thing, total bullshit. Never happened. Back no. injury, not at all. Maguire showed up for the shooting, fat as fuck, out of shape.
1: I'm just saying, like, I don't think Gyllenhaal was fat as fuck 16 years ago.
0: No, not Gyllenhaal. Toby Maguire showed up out of shape and the studio threatened oh, to replace him I see. with Jake Gyllenhaal because he was out of shape. I got confused. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yes. Good Lord, man. I thought
1: you were accusing Jake Gyllenhaal of being a fatty. I'm sorry.
0: No, they were like, oh, well, you know, everyone's upset that you didn't do your training regimen and. Jake's right here, and he's an up-and-coming star, and we would love to have <laughs> him. Seriously, that's the legend. I love it. Now, him as Mysterio? I love it. I, I think too. it's a great Look, pick.
1: I don't... Like, Jill Nall, fine. I like him. He'll be fine as Mysterio. I'm just so glad that they're doing Mysterio. <laughs> yeah, now is certainly the time. I'm so What's happy it? that these new movies are addressing the classic Spider-Man villains. Like, don't... yeah. Don't like I know the first the first round did Green Goblin and then they redid Green Goblin again with uh, Andrew Garfield. But like, don't jump straight to Venom. Just give me the classics. There are so many great Spider-Man villains. I want to Craven the Hunter. Uh, Chase Magnet, our friend posted. I think it was him. He posted on Twitter. Uh, There's that scene there's that scene in the new Mission Impossible trailer where he is like getting himself psyched up to fight Tom Cruise in the bathroom. Have you seen it?
0: Oh, yeah. Where he's yeah. like
1: flicking his nose and he's like punching the air and stuff. And Chase said, uh, Dear Sony, uh, if you are getting ready to cast Craven the Hunter, may I suggest something? <laughs> and I would love it. Henry Cavill with like the weird mustache as, uh, Han- uh, as uh, Craven the Hunter. Craven would be tough, he'd be
0: a tough one to pull off because uh, I, especially after you go like to Mysterio, how are you going to go back to Craven the Hunter? Well, know?
1: if they did it as like, like, I like what they did in the ultimate universe where they made him like, he was like a crocodile, crocodile hunter kind of guy. Yeah. Like, like a, a, a TV reality celebrity.
0: style. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who just kind of gone crazy and started hunting man. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, that's beside the point. Thumbs up for Mysterio. Thumbs up for Hall. Definitely. I, I think we're on the right track. And finally, it's a comic book story for a change. An all-new West Coast Avengers ongoing title is coming this fall from Hawkeye writer Kelly Thompson and Iron Man artist Stefano Caselli. That's a great creative team. That is a fantastic creative team and big-time work for Kelly Thompson. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, This comes 24 years after the cancellation of the previous Avengers West Coast. The new lineup will be comprised of both Hawkeyes, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. Gwenpool. Yuck. What? Quent- no. <laughs> Quentin Quire, America ah! Chavez, <laughs> and a recently introduced character named Fuse, aka Johnny who uh, apparently was Kate's boyfriend from the most recent Hawkeye series. All right. Well, I hate this. That sucks. No. Nah, nah. No. That is so stupid. What's so st- just cuz there's Gwenpool
0: in it? No, not just cuz it's Gwenpool. You got a bunch of these like uh, Quentin Quire as well, so we got two smart-talking, wacky jerks that won't be contained, and the Hawkeyes are going to have to deal with them in this hilarious romp through the Avengers. No. No. You know, call this book anything else. Don't call it Avengers West Coast. Bullshit. I loved West Coast Avengers. Hey, man. Sorry. Come on. It's a lighthearted take on the West Coast Avengers. There ain't nothing Bullshit. wrong with it. Give me Wonder Man leading a team or some shit, you know? Like, come on. There's plenty of other Avengers to touch on. I don't need Gwenpool and Quentin Quire here. I'm fine. I like uh, America Chavez. She'd be a great addition. You
1: know, but give me a real Avengers West Coast team. This is going to be like a comedy book. It sucks. I'm into it. I'm totally into it. Uh, Whatever. Here's a little something else for you to fuel your rage. Uh, This all new West Coast Avengers team will be funded and housed thanks to a deal to star in a reality show taking a page from the civil war era new warriors. Ah!
0: <laughs> oh, how do you
1: want this?
0: <laughs> Remember what happened to
1: your new warriors and how dumb that yeah, shit was? Look man, I'm older now. I look at things differently. Not like You look at things that, so you're telling me penance.
0: What you got out of that? No, no, Boy, no, no, that no, no. was Hey, off. Look when that, Steve Ball put that on the Mike
1: underwear. <laughs> the reality show, that was one thing. All the stuff that happened to the New Warriors after the reality show, that was Mark Miller's fault and Paul Jenkins' fault. I
0: get it. I don't care about this. Look, this is dumb. We've already done this. I don't need a comedy smart-talking mutant-meets- Smart talking, crazy Gwenpool book. Fuck you. Call it something else. This is dumb.
1: Uh, I have heard from a number of independent sources that the Gwenpool book was actually quite delightful. Great. The character's stupid. You don't know that she's stupid. You haven't read her. You haven't read the Gwenpool book, and don't lie and tell me that you have. We
0: reviewed some Gwenpool books. Now, admittedly, I read maybe one issue and went, this is not for me, and I don't care. And thank you for trying to bring Harley Quinn to the Marvel Universe, but I don't need
1: it in the DC Universe, even. There's room on the stands for lots of different tones, and I think that this could be a fun comic. Totally agree.
0: Don't call it West Coast Avengers. Call it anything else. I'll check it out. I'll give it a chance.
1: Hey, listen we we had the same debate raging online last week over that Thundercats reboot, and you defended yeah. it. That's because it's the fucking Thundercats. Dude, who cares? It's the yeah, goddamn yes, Thundercats. But this is the same principle. Nobody's going like, to come over to your house and burn your collection of West Coast it's Avengers not like comics. There is a rich well of Thundercats storytelling that uh, to draw from. That's the West Coast Avengers. Hey, come the on. West Coast Avengers comic in the eighties and nineties is also not that great.
0: No, it was awesome.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> Nobody's going to come over to your house and burn your collection. So Wrong. just you br- they're ruining it. my West Coast Avengers childhood. This is bullshit.
0: It's un American and it makes me sick.
1: And on Memorial Day, even. Oh, how dare they! <laughs> So there is your nerd news
0: and analysis for this week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums. Let us know what parts of your childhood have been ruined recently, and anything you think about these stories, and of course, everything we missed, you can find them by heading to the twoheadednerd.com nerd.com and clicking on the forums button. By heading to the website twoheadednerd.com. dot nerd.com. Don't type yeah. in the2headed nerd.com. No, you'd be an idiot if you did that. <laughs>
1: It's review time in the ziggurat, which means it's time to throw a couple of comics on the barbecue and sear them to perfection. Damn. Matt, what's your main review this week?
0: Well, my review actually came out last week, but it bears talking about because it was interesting. I am reviewing New Challengers number one of six, which I did not realize was a miniseries, but it is. Neither did I. It's From DC, written by Scott Snyder and Aaron Gillespie with art by Andy Kubert. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit from the pages of... Challengers Mountain has returned to the DC Universe and chosen a new team of Exploders. Five misfit strangers are given a second chance at life, but only if they obey the orders of the mysterious Professor and execute deadly missions in the most unexplored corners of the multiverse. And if the new Challengers of the Unknown fail, it'll be more than just their own lives that hang in their balance. It's their butts. The Challengers are back. But this isn't Jack Kirby's wannabe Fantastic Four of yesterday. This time, the challengers feel a little more like the cast of Lost as five strangers that are literally cheat death and awaken at Challenger Mountain, where they will be the newest team to carry out missions dictated by the mysterious professor until such time as they die again. And there's a whole collection of dead challengers that are sort of frozen in time. No, they were
1: holograms, they said. Holograms? Oh, yeah, okay. it was like a Hall of Heroes kind of thing.
0: Oh, okay. So, like I said, not quite the Jack Kirby Fantastic Four knockoff, we remember. Challenges of the-, the Unknown
1: predates Fantastic Four. Thank you very much.
0: Well, I know. But, I mean, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. It was Kirby warming up to do the FF. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying it's not a knockoff. And certainly better than Dan DeDio's version that saw the Challengers on a reality fucking TV show. Another default there. This version oh, of man, the I Challengers. I blocked that out. Yeah, this version of the Challengers feels dark, real dark. Dark Knights metal dark, and also Dark Knights metal fucking crazy. Steiner and Gillespie introduce us to the new Challengers as these strangers dropped into their new situation in a story that reminded me sort of like the horror series Cube. They have no clue what's going on, no idea why they're there. The last thing they all remember is basically death. The new take on the Challengers. And they all have
1: is, like a specialty, kind yes.
0: of. Yes. The new take on The Challengers is fine, if not a little creepy, but definitely veers away from the science heroes of yesterday. Snyder and Gillespie spend most of the issue introducing us to Trina Alvarez, an unlicensed doctor and herbalist in Gotham, before she met her untimely demise. We don't have much time to meet the rest of the team, but there's definitely a strong guy, a criminal, an action hero. They're all represented. Kubert teams up with Klaus Johnson on Art for an issue that Kubert fans will dig and others will cock their head at like a confused dog. <laughs> I, I want to... Go ahead. Very, very Andy Kubert here. Well, I, Kubert I'm going full Kubert.
1: I love Andy Kubert. I think he's a super talented artist. I yes. don't like him paired with Klaus Janssen. It's like
0: Klaus Jansen. Puts Kubert through a magnifying glass and fine tunes him to a laser of his power. Well, you know I mean? So uh,
1: Klaus Jansen Klaus Jansen is the sort of anchor that kind of overpowers his penciler. Yes. He's got a very kind of scratchy style. Um, and I think Andy Kubert works best when he's paired with an artist that makes his lines very clean and sleek.
0: I don't disagree, but I do still like him working with Klaus Janssen. Like I, d- I thought this book looked really cool. It was weird, but it looked really cool. Yeah. I dug the new take on the challengers and the look and I look forward to seeing where the miniseries goes. But it is going to be hard to set up characters to root for in six issues, especially if nobody is safe and they're killing them left and right. I'm giving this a buy it because I want to see where it goes. And I think it's kind of a bold choice to do it this way this isn't another like group of adventurers brought together to something no they're strangers they have no idea what's going on they are completely expendable and they're basically on the most dangerous game show in the world
1: (laughs) uh yeah i liked it too i i thought the story um you don't understand everything that's going on when you're dropped into it which is fine because the characters are in the same boat Um, but if you're familiar with the challenges of the unknown concept, there's a lot of extra stuff you can glean from it. Like, uh, the, the, the ringleader, the guy that gathers them, he calls himself prof Mm -hmm. prof is one of the original challenges of the unknown. Uh, I don't know if they're going to address that in the book. I would assume so. Um, And the the idea that the the challenges in the known catchphrase is that they're living on borrowed time, uh, which they bring up in the book, which I thought was good. Um, The original challengers, they are all people that were specialized in their fields that uh, died or got to the to the brink of death uh, and then decided, you know, unlike this book, there was no like cosmic, like blinking out of existence and then popping back up in Challenges Mountain. They like decided You know, to use what time they had left to discover the wonders of the universe. Well, and I don't know that they actually died or they were about to
0: die and taken and the world assumes they are dead.
1: I think
0: that we didn't really see like anybody get their head cut off or drown or anything. You know what I mean? But all
1: of the characters said that they remember dying.
0: Yeah, I think there was that moment like... Death was right there, but we didn't actually see it happen. So maybe in their eyes, you're like, well, this is
1: it. Ah, wait, I'm not dead. I, I think know? in this case, I think in this case they did die because they say in the book when they go back out in the real world, they have a limited amount of time. Right. And when their time's up, their time's up. So six, I think that they are like literally in this case living on borrowed time and they in only issue have a,
0: six. We're going to find out they're in purgatory the whole time. Yeah,
1: exactly right. Yeah. yeah. There's a smoke monster. Uh, yeah. I thought it was fun. I wish the art had been a little cleaner, but I do like Andy Cooper a great deal. It's uh, a fun concept. I love the challenges of the unknown. Uh, And I'm happy that this seems like the whole, like exploring the mysteries of the universe thing is a much more traditional take, even though there's a different twist on it. Uh, And I appreciate that. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Joe Patrick, let's talk about flavor. Number one, as Matt said, Flavor number one from Image Comics, this is written by Joe Keating, with art by, and I apologize for everything that's about to happen. Art by Wook Jin Clark, color art by Tamara Bonvillain. I think you did fine there. I think I did. Letters by Ariana Mar, and culinary consulting by Ali Buzari.
0: I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's 32 pages for $3.99, and here's your solicit. We want this comic to taste a certain way. You know what, what I'm saying? Put it in your mouth. When you're done reading it, put it in your mouth. Series premiere. Within a strange walled city, an unlicensed chef discovers a mystery that threatens to end it all. Uh, blah, 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 blah. This, Join this creative team, who I just listed, on this culinary epic adventure. Flavor! Where chefs are the ultimate celebrity and food is the most valued commodity, featuring culinary consulting and bonus content by Ali Buzari, renowned food scientist and author of the IACP award-winning cookbook Ingredient, the book's name is Ingredient, colon, unveiling the essential elements of food. I have
0: that book in my kitchen right now. There you have it. It's a very good book. He's a talented guy.
1: Oh, it's a guy. So yeah, maybe it's I Ali. Think it's,
0: I think it's Ali. There you go. I'm sorry,
1: my brain just instinctively read it as Ali. Yeah, nobody spells Ali like. I mean, like, well, what do I know? Joe Keating is back at Image with another high concept series, clearly inspired by the work of legendary animation director Hayao Miyazaki. Zoo is a young, unlicensed chef who's taken responsibility for maintaining her ailing parents' restaurant. She spends her days skipping school, running around the bizarre walled city with her dog sidekick Buster, searching for rare ingredients and running afoul of rival chefs. Her estranged uncle comes to town to act as guardian when the city government finally catches up to her truancy. There's a tone of lighthearted adventure that also reminded me a lot of James Robinson and Paul Smith's Leave it to Chance. There's a, a complete with like the funny animal sidekick that sort of talks but doesn't. Oh, yeah,
0: there's a brain from Inspector Gadget. Yes,
1: exactly. Like brain from Inspector Gadget. Uh, There's a nice twist at the end that shows that this is more than just a series about cooking and family drama. This is my first experience with artist Wook Jin Clark's work, and it took a little getting used to, I have to admit. His layouts and backgrounds are beautiful. Every panel is full of detail and his city is full of life. But his character designs get a little awkward. Some characters have strangely elongated necks and facial features, and he occasionally draws them with a faint outline of an upper lip that kind of makes them look like they all have a pencil mustache. That's sort of a Japanese animation trick. maybe.
0: You know what I mean? Like, if you... Miyazaki is a perfect example. He does a lot of that with his character designs.
1: Okay, that's fair. And I think they were going for that. That's fair. Uh, And it doesn't happen with every character, and I didn't find it too distracting. Uh, However, my favorite aspect of the art is the color work by Tamara Bonvillain. Not only does she wash every page with beautiful earth tones, but the backgrounds are textured, like they're painted on canvas, and it makes the foreground pop, and so every page looks like a painted animation cell. It was beautiful. Yeah. I saw someone ask on Twitter... What the deal was with all of the cooking and food-themed comics lately? And it's a good question. Uh, it's one thing if your comic book springs from the mind of Anthony Bourdain, but it seems like kind of an odd theme for a fantasy adventure series like this one. Whatever's causing the trend, though, it's yielding some fun comics, and I really like flavor number one. I'm interested to see where we're going. I'm giving it a buy it.
0: I'm glad this didn't spring from the mind of Anthony Bourdain, because if it did, I would have given it a leave it like his last.
1: Well, we liked his graphic novel. His though.
0: Yeah, but he wrote that with somebody else that obviously helped him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, this was awesome and weird and fun. And the food thing, it seems like I keep going back to Miyazaki because that's what they were going for here. Food is a big part of all of Miyazaki's stories. And maybe it's just due to the fact that a lot of the characters are poor and hungry but there's always a very important food element to every story. Strangely enough, this is Joe Keating dialing it down a little bit compared to what we've seen from him. It's not that weird <laughs> compared to some of You're the right. shit we've it's read. Kind of it's you know I mean?
1: kind of a straightforward fantasy. Yeah, and
0: yeah. he's sort of letting the art do the heavy lifting of the weirdness and the fun here, and I thought it worked great. I'm giving it a buy So that is a double buy it for new challengers and a double buy it for flavor. We're going to post our written reviews over twittednerd.com so you nerds can tell us what you thought of these comics and just how overcooked they got. Because Joe Patrick won't eat anything unless it's well
1: done. It's true. Sadly. Now that we know how it went down, Matt and I are making our own Kessel Run, and I'm calling my shot here. We're gonna do it in 10 parsecs, while Spin we review... While, while we review 8 more comics during the Ludacris Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Aether, the Copper Golem, number 1 from Dark Horse. Boon Diaz is back, and this time he's recruiting a team to help plug holes linking Earth to the Aether. I admit, this is not the most new reader-friendly first issue, but writer Matt Kent catches us up on the concept and a couple of really heartbreaking scenes. David Rubin's beautiful art, colors and lettering make the technicolor world of the Aether stand in stark contrast to the dreary and dirty human world. If you haven't read Aether, I highly recommend it. Buy it. Dark Souls, number one from Titan.
0: If you're a fan of the video game franchise made for people that love to hurt, then you'll love the comic version that revels in the mind-numbing mythology of the game you hate to love. But... Fuck, this was good art. You should have seen this. Anton Coca Rex, I guess, yeah. paints this book in the spirit of your favorite Dio record covers. I could care less about the story, and I don't give a shit what anyone says. The Dark Souls games are an exercise for people that hate themselves and want to play games that punish them. I'm giving this a skim it because the art was truly awesome. X-Men Wedding Special, number one from Marvel. Guess the what? wedding
1: special that no one asked for. Guess what doesn't happen in this issue? A wedding? A wedding! Oh, fuck this. If, ah. you, if you have an extra five bucks to throw around, buy something else. The X-Men Wedding Special is a blatant attempt to fill another slot on the stands with three bad to mediocre stories that could have been told in the regular X titles. Chris Claremont's story is almost painful to read and not because it dredges up bad memories the other two stories are completely forgettable accounts of colossus and kitty's bachelor and bachelorette parties Uh. you're telling me nightcrawler is the one that wants a night of debauchery in las vegas and chooses the one casino run by actual demons give me a fucking break
0: is his dad the pit boss?
1: God. No, it, it spins. Does. it's the Doctor Strange Damnation thing. There's the Mephisto Casino. Anyway, leave it. Delta 13, number one from IDW.
0: 30 Days of Night Rider and ex-Grey Matter bassist Steve Niles takes his favorite genre, you guessed it, horror, into outer space with the badass art of Nat Jones, whose pencil work looks the least like Ben Templesmith's, the artist that all artists that work with Niles are required to impersonate. There's a familiar Ridley Scott future feel to this, and the dark muted colors highlighted by glowing computer screens really brought it home. This was a bit of a slow burn, but I dig that, and I think it's going someplace creepy, and I love creepy sci fi. I'm giving this a buy it. I took one look at the
1: cover, I took one look at the cover and said, Nope.
0: (laughs) Don't be a baby. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, number one from IDW. There's some a little more your speed.
1: Yeah, right. This title reprints the black-and-white TMNT series published by Image in the late 90s. Writer Gary Carlson and artist Frank Fosco put the TMNT through the ringer in the 23 issues they produced, starting right from the jump. Faces getting blown off, turning into cyborgs, body parts chopped off. These guys have it rough. It sounds like a bunch of crybabies to me. (laughs) It's no wonder this volume is not recognized in the official Turtles canon. The dialogue is pretty groan-worthy. Here's an example. Raphael threatens to carve his name into the sexy female ninja's bare butt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I do do like Fosco's blocky art style and the new added colors by Adam Guzowski are a nice addition. I'm giving TMNT Urban Legends number one a skimmit Uh, Leave
0: it for me. This book was not good. And back in the day, this was like, you asked for it. You want the raw mean turtles back? Here they are. But they're way too raw and stupid mean.
1: (laughs) 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 It was a fun little throwback. I like the art. Lumberjanes, number 50 from Boom. 50 issues in, and Lumberjanes is
0: still an adorable examination of young girlfriends, friendship, and friendiness. Lumberjanes is twee. It's adorable, and the kind of comic that should anger my gingivitis, but I can't resist how well it's written. Imagine Stand By Me with an all-female cast written by Wes Anderson, and you'll get it. Lumberjanes is more than just adorable fangirl service. It's really well written and drawn too. This is just fun. I'm giving it a buy-in.
1: What other Invinci- things, things anger your gingivitis?
0: <laughs> Twee things. Really bug my gums.
1: <laughs> Invincible Iron Man,
0: like the moldy peaches, that fucking band. Oh, they make my gums bleed. Invincible Iron Man, number 600 from
1: Marvel. B.M. Bendis' final Marvel comic is finally here, restoring Tony Stark and more to his rightful status. Bendis brings an army of his favorite artists with him to wrap up most of the loose threads and sets up potential new ones. I'm especially interested in what's hinted at for the future of Miles Morales, Riri Williams, and the remnants of Jonathan Hickman's S.H.I.E.L.D., which, by the way, quick aside, a new issue of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out last week, or no, it was this week, and I read it after uh, four four or five (laughs) years off the stance. And I'm telling you what, I could not even wrap my brain around it. No! We couldn't wrap our brains around it when it was coming out monthly! I know. This is a fun issue and a great send-off for a writer that, like it or not, added a lot to the Marvel Universe over the past 18 years. Uh, however, I will never understand why Bendis has such a hard-on for the hood. That character sucks. Oh, I like the hood. Yeah, but he's not, like, he's a thug! The I idea, that The idea that he's like this... Like, he had the Infinity Gauntlet one time, Matt. That is bullshit. Iron Man 600, though, gets a buy it. Black Panther number one from Marvel. Anyone that criticized Tennessee
0: Coates' first Panther run for being too wordy obviously got to the writer because this issue hits the ground fighting. is in space, a captor of the iron-fisted space Wakandans, and doesn't remember who he is. Daniel Akunas illustrates 32 pages of pure ass-kicking space action in this fantastic Black Panther relaunch. Coates' Black Panther just kicked into high gear, and I love it. I'm giving it a It I will say, making this a number one issue is going to confuse a lot of people if you weren't reading the previous one. This did not need to be a relaunch.
1: But they do address it in the back. Yes. Tommy Easy Coates, or the editor, I guess it was, says, hey, look, I know you you guys probably don't understand what's going on, but that's okay. We promise. Yeah. We'll get there. That's by design.
0: They're going Um, to reveal some things. We are also as confused as T'Challa. Yes. And
1: you know what? Uh, I read it and then I went back and read part of it again. And I think that he's in the future. Could be. Yeah. Anyway. uh, Yeah. I liked it. I loved it. Daniel Acuna is amazing. Yeah. So good. (laughs) That is your ludicrous speed round and bang! Is the sound of Booster Gold making sure a tragic event in history occurs the way it should? As seen in the pages of last week's Batman number 47. This onomatopoeia was submitted by Guillermo Rodriguez. Sorry if I mispronounced that, buddy. I think it's Guillermo. You think it's Guillerme? I think it's Guillermo. Okay, well, he can correct me. He's a regular fixture on the THN or Facebook fan page. Or it's Herm. <laughs> Will Gilherme. Look, we're sorry. Yeah. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, point it and shoot it all over any of our social media pages or hit us up with an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. I know you're
0: talking about guns, so it sounds really pervy. You know, I'm just. Oof. I'm not talking about guns. Oh. Tomar Ray. Mm. Sergeant Rock. <sighs> Nick Fury.
1: He's not dead. Yeah, well, he's dead to me. Okay, okay fair enough. Wait, who else is dead?
0: <laughs> it's Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> I can't even fu- remember. And we're firing up the grill in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum and cooking out while remembering some of our fallen comic comrades in remembrance of the fallen joe and i have been shouting their names while passing a case of mickey's 40s back and forth it's your turn sucker um little sure shot (laughs) (sighs) okay i just spilled malt liquor all over my shirt while i clean myself up why don't you tell us about your pick for next week joe patrick (laughs)
1: Little fucking sure shot. Look, That was a deep pull, man. <laughs> My pick for next week is Amazing Spider-Man 4. No, wow. No. My pick for next week is ama- too much Mickey's. Yeah. My pick for next week is Amazing Spider-Man 800 from Marvel Comics, written by Dan Slott with art by Stuart Immonen and various.
0: Your pick was Amazing Spider-Man 800 and you couldn't come up with Uncle Ben as a dead character.
1: The spirit of 76. <laughs> it's 96 pages for $9.99. Here's your solicit. Dan Slott and Stuart Immonen are joined by many of the artists who made the last 10 years of Spider-Man so amazing. The biggest Peter Parker Norman Osborn story of all time unfolds over one 80 page story. A scope unmatched in comics. Really? Who lives? Who dies? And what scars will Spider Man bear from here on out? I finally, finally, finally finished catching up on Amazing Spider Man the other day. It was really good. It has been a roller coaster ride, let me yeah, tell oh you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Norman Osborn is possessed by the Carnage Symbiote. It's very scary. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am super excited to find out. Matt, you're up. My pick for next week is
0: Blackwood, number one of four from Dark Horse. It's written by Evan Dorkin, with art by Veronica Fish. 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. From the multi-Eisner award-winning creator of Beast of Burden and the artist of Archie and Slam comes the supernatural fantasy about a magical murder in a sorcery school. When four teenagers with haunted pasts enroll in Blackwood College, a school that trains students in the occult, their desire to enhance their supernatural abilities and bond with others is hampered by an undead Dean's curse. Ghosts in their dorm, a mischievous two-headed mummy chimp, we can get down on that, and a plague of mutant insects and this discovery of an ancient evil that forces our heroes to undergo a crash course in the occult. For the sake of the world! Super creepy Harry Potter, basically. Yeah, written, sounds by Henry, awesome. written by Evan Dorkin and Veronica Fish is a fucking awesome artist. I think this is going to be great.
1: I can't believe they didn't use milk and cheese to advertise his credentials. Yeah, well, you know. I guess he didn't win an Eisner for that one.
0: I don't think there's an Eisner award out there for milk and cheese.
1: <laughs> the THN trade of the week goes to Where We Live, a benefit for the survivors in Las Vegas. This is coming out from Image Comics. It was... Spearheaded by J. H. Williams III, it's got contributions from Mike Alred, Ralphie L. Albuquerque, and a ton more. It's 336 pages for 19.99. Here's your solicit. On October 1st, 2017, Las Vegas, Nevada suffered the worst mass shooting in modern American history resulting in 58 deaths and over 500 injur- injured This is from J.H. Williams, III. It broke my heart. Las Vegas is my home. I felt like something needed to be done to help in a unique way. This quote unquote unique way was the genesis of where we live. Anthology, a riveting collection of both fictional stories and actual eyewitness accounts told by an all star lineup of talent of top talent working in the comics today. All the creators have graciously volunteered their time and talent to help bring some sense to this senseless act and in the process, raise money for the survivors and their families. So not just good
0: creators and good comics, good comics for a good cause. All the
1: proceeds from this book go to uh, a nonprofit. I don't believe it was named in the solicit. But yeah, this is to raise money uh, for the survivors and it's uh, a, a, a way to cope with this terrible thing that happened and as much as i don't like to see these events happen it's wonderful to see creators like this come together and give of themselves to
0: well especially to deal with something like this where there is no good answer there's no we still don't know anything about why and there we may never this is a great way to deal with something like that and try and work through it So there's our picks for this long weekend. Now you get a hold of your retailer and add these comics to your pull file right now. Then next Wednesday, send us pictures of you playing Edward Forty Hands and let us know what you thought of these comics.
1: Summer is here. Woo! That's fine and great, but if you sweat like this two-headed monster, you're probably more excited for summer movie season.
0: Aren't you glad we used dial?
1: I am so glad.
0: Don't you wish everybody did?
1: (laughs) That is a joke that nobody under 30 is going to understand. No, probably nobody under 40 is going to get that one. Matt and I crushed ourselves into one seat and prepared for the jump to hyperspace. That's right. It's time for Nerd the Movies Solo Edition. Cue the spoiler alert. is not a dream. This is a spoiler alert. I repeat, spoiler
0: alert. So, Joe Patrick, it's the movie that everyone was dreading. This is the colossal failure that is Solo, a Star Wars story. The studio was ready for it. We found out that the actor couldn't act. The story was hacked together. It was a complete failure, right? Not really. No, not really at all. <laughs> That's the thing. This was, remember, not, not more than a few months ago. There were all these rumors about how, like, oh, they're already bracing for a complete failure at the box office, and everybody's going to hate this one.
1: Fuck you. I had a lot of fun with
0: this. I thought it was very
1: well done. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot as well. Uh, so just a quick synopsis of the plot. The movie picks up. With young Han Solo on the streets of Corellia. He's, I think I read, about 19 when the movie yeah. starts. He's young and plucky. And, you know, he's conscripted into this Oliver twist, Twist-esque twist life of crime by the uh, head boss, who is a giant crazy worm lady. Lady Proxima. Lady sorry. Proxima, yes. I, yes oh, and I, Linda Hunt was her voice. I love Linda Hunt. I love Linda Hunt too. Uh, Of course, Han is a rebel from way back and he doesn't take kindly the following orders and all he wants to do is escape life on the streets with his lady friend Kira, uh, played by the Mother of Dragons. So yeah, Han and Kira have this plan to escape Corellia. Of course, things go horribly wrong uh, and Han joins the Imperial Navy to learn how to become a pilot so he can come back and find his lady love. I was a little
0: shocked how close... This stayed to the origins of Han Solo as we know it because they had examined stuff like this in books that for all we knew were absolutely not canon anymore. But this is still really close to those old Han Solo stories.
1: I think just up to the point about him joining the Imperial Navy after that, though, it deviates pretty wildly. No,
0: I mean, like even how we met Chewbacca and stuff like that. I don't think it was the same exact way in the books, but very similar where He saved Chewie. They became friends, you know, and they ended up running off with a group of scoundrels. This time it was led by Woody Harrelson. Fandy Newton was there as Woody Harrelson's love interest. I thought she was really great. I did not care for the four armed pilot guy.
1: Oh, I liked him. Uh, So real quick, uh, jump to three years later. Han has been kicked out of the Navy and forced into the infantry. (laughs) And so he meets Woody Harrelson's group of bandits who are disguised as Imperial officers and they're, they're there for a heist and he's onto them immediately and then deserts with them. Uh, and then it continues from there.
0: Oh, Rio Durant was the name of the forearm guy and John Favreau was his voice.
1: Yes. I kind of liked him. I thought he was funny. Um, it
0: was fine. I, one of the, One of the problems I did have with this, I felt like there were too many aliens speaking English and too many subtitles for aliens that didn't. There were subtitles in old Star Wars movies as well, definitely. Like, you can't have a whole conversation between Leia in disguise and Jabba the Hutt that doesn't have any subtitles. I get that. But there was, everybody got a subtitle in this. There was barely any aliens that they just let talk. You know what I mean? And it it took me out of things a little
1: bit. You're a baby.
0: I don't know no, I don't, that, why. is That oh. was just one of my favorite things about the old Star Wars movies. And even some of the new ones, it's like every once in a while, an alien would just be like, and then be like, oh, man, that guy's pissed. We didn't need to know what he said. Like Matt, most of the aliens in Star Wars speak English. I most I, I'm not going to get into that argument. But regardless, I, I just thought there was a lot of subtitles in this. I don't have a problem with subtitles. I just like it better when they leave some of that.
1: You're you know, just too just dumb to read during your movie. I get it.
0: Exactly. I will also say some of the criticism here, and I agree with it, is there's definitely two different directing styles that they gently melded into one. And I need to see it again before I can absolutely locate the point that I'm talking about. But there's definitely a switch in feel in the film that led me into the second half of the film that I enjoyed a lot More. I'm not saying the first half was bad, but it wasn't great. And you could definitely tell when Ron Howard came in and, in my opinion, went full George Lucas. Was just like, this is how Lucas would have shot it. This is how Lucas would have thought about it, you know. And he knows. He's been around for a long time. It felt not directionless, but it felt a little loose in the beginning. Just sort of generic space action. And then somewhere halfway through the film... Obviously, when Ron Howard came on board, I went, OK, now we're in a okay. Star Wars. See, movie. Now,
1: hold on. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's clear who's responsible for what, because when Howard came, when uh, Lord and Miller got let go and Howard came on, they reshot most of the movie.
0: Right. I mean, it says in the end of it, a Ron Howard film. So.
1: And, yeah. So it's not like there is a com- there is not like they got halfway done. They scrapped what they did. Yeah, I'm
0: not saying there's a violent switch, but there is definitely a switch that takes place. Yes. That I felt better about. But I I
1: don't really know, like, there's a lot of lighthearted moments in this movie, but there are Mm -hmm. also a lot of very serious moments in this movie. Their characters die. Sure. And uh, there are a lot of very heavy themes about um, cultures being oppressed and and things like that and slavery and yeah and yeah, like the true the true start to the rebellion i agree that there's a, like a tonal conflict but i don't know if i can pinpoint like who's responsible for what no i um, no i mean i just need to see it
0: again and i'm not saying necessarily who's responsible for what but just the feel of the film definitely changed
1: and i well i i liked full the whole star wars yeah sure while i liked the whole film i did feel like it was a little bit long because i think that maybe they kept some elements from the previous version and then added a bunch
0: i think so too i mean and you could tell that there were definitely things that were dropped in there most notably the guest appearance in the very end we'll get to that but first i mean i just want to touch on some of the the crew and not the crew but some of the actors and lando was wonderful donald glover wonderful so good he was directly channeling Billy Dee. He
1: Williams. was, I could like, I, I could feel it. I could definitely hear it in his voice. Yeah.
0: And his relationship with L three, three, seven, the robot, the female robot. Yeah. Was just heartbreaking. It was so great. It was a
1: love story. Wait, every- I think they were having sex. <laughs> no, they weren't. They weren't are, because are they sure? talk about that in the movie because she, uh, L three, L three has this heart to heart with Kira on the Millennium Falcon.
0: Yeah. And, and it she's was like,
1: a wonderful hey, scene. And she's like, hey, girl, I get it. I think Lando's in love with me, but I am not interested.
0: <laughs> no, she doesn't say I think. She says, Lando's in love with me. Yeah, but but I am not interested. <laughs> well, and they they took a whole nother direction with the droids in this movie, too, with the L337 character. And, like, she was just absolutely, a, a, you know... Upset about the way that droids are treated and yeah. how they're not respected she and how they a- make them wear restraining bolts like it's droid slavery and she we never is really- a
1: droids rights activist
0: yeah like every droid every time we've basically seen a droid in this they've either been kicked around or told we don't serve your kind here you know like Slaves have it bad, but droids, man, they—they're like the Native Americans of the Star
1: Wars story. Like, you know, <laughs> L. Three seemed like the first droid in Star Wars that truly seemed like she was alive, completely. She self-aware. was more than just yeah. a droid. Like K. Two S. O. from Rogue One is great, and he's funny, but he still mm-hmm. followed orders. Right,
0: like C. Three P. O. It was yeah, like, like they have personality. They have
1: personality, but
0: but they followed orders.
1: Like. I, like, I would not have been surprised if L3 had just, like, not followed anybody's orders. Yeah. You know, if she had done her own thing, like, she felt like a truly living, breathing character. And I think
0: she, her motivation was, I really like Lando, and we work together. Like, we are more than just, like, employee-employer. We're friends, and he's in love with me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, and, And at the time, that sounded like nonsense, like, that she's just... You know, But she's then later on, there's a scene when she where di- she's dying. Where she's dying, and he goes out to get her. Oh, my God. And then she finally dies on the Falcon. And yeah, he, he's like like,
0: holding her head, and he's like, It's and okay, he's baby. Inconsolable. It's okay, baby. Like,
1: oh. Like, <laughs> I. So that, at that point, I was like, Oh, shit, she was right. He does love her. Yeah.
0: And there was aspects of this that really surprised me. A lot of people are like, we don't need a Han Solo film. What are they going to do? Everybody knows he's not going to die. Of course, I get that. But they did. They made some choices in this film that really did open some aspects of the Star Wars universe that we have never seen. And they did a great
1: job adding stakes for characters that we didn't know. Yes. Like, so for like for every argument about like Han and Chewie and Lando, they're going to be fine. What's the drama? There are plenty of other characters in this movie that we have never heard of before. And I thought that the movie did a great job, like elevating the stakes for those characters.
0: Right. And uh, the examination of Han and Chewie and Lando's relationship, it's way rockier than we thought it was. Go, oh, they're At the buddies start. From, Well, even later on, I mean, Lando
1: packs up and fucking leaves him there and takes off with the ship. Yes, I know, know, but I mean, this is in the first movie. Yeah, it's a little bit tenuous at the start. Yeah, no, but like now when we go back to Empire
0: and we see Han meeting Lando and asking for help and they're like, you know this guy, right? And he's like, yeah, we're uh, old friends. Han legitimately doesn't know what's going to happen when they meet each other because they have a very rocky relationship. And depending on where they're at, Lando might be like, right the fuck on look who's here or oh guess who's here like you don't know oh. and i really like that they are they're frenemies at best oh sure <laughs> I, you said you said chewy at the beginning which is why i was confused well i meant all three of them yeah like, yeah yeah their relationship
1: um but yeah i like i can't say enough good things about donald glover as lando um i really do hope that they make a lando solo movie see i don't know that i need one i think Lando's I a kind of character one.
0: That works better, like Boba Fett. That works better in the doses that we're getting him in.
1: Yeah, but like, remember how much we loved that Lando miniseries with sure. Lobot?
0: Like, well, and that's one of the things I wanted to bring. I I want to bring up. I really wish we would have met Lobot here. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I would have. I, I loved that Marvel miniseries so much when we got that buddy story of Lando and Lobot, and I would have liked to have seen that here. I really like L337, but had that been Lobot in that role, I would have been fine with it. Well, we don't know when Lando met Lobot though. That's yeah, that's true. It's true.
1: Um, I thought Paul Bettany did an amazing job as the main villain. He's so. He was great. Off-puttingly charming Yeah. And menacing at the same time. Uh, Dryden Voss is the character's name. And I'm not sure if he's popped up in books or what, but...
0: I don't know. I think he may be a wholly new character. And I love that Paul Bettany basically showed up and said, I'm in this movie. You're putting me in this movie. He (laughs) fought for the role. And they were like, we don't really... Like, we have a bad guy. He's like, it's me. I'll be the bad guy. I don't care. I want to be in a Star Wars movie, and I'm in it.
1: (laughs) Uh, He plays... He plays one of the top lieutenants in a uh, criminal syndicate called the Crimson Dawn. Should we just get to it? I think we've said yeah, enough about but, Yeah, uh, let's the get Crimson into it. Dawn is I don't know if they're led by but he's definitely got a presence by the one and only Darth Maul. Now here's the thing. It's not it's Darth, Darth Maul.
0: Maul. It's just Maul. He is listed yeah. as Maul,
1: which oh, insinuates Oh, well, cuz he's
0: He's not a Sith Lord anymore. He well, lost his Well, he's still fucking got force job. powers. He he probably does. But he got cut well, in he, half. And he, he summons fell. the
1: lightsaber to him with his mind. Right. So yes, we he assu-
0: does. We, we assumed he was dead, right? He's no longer the apprentice. Somebody else Darth Vader became the next, you know, major Sith Lord apprentice. Right. And there so, could only be two, right? So Right. So Darth Maul, one, didn't die. Two, in the twenty years since he didn't die is now either running or a part of this very, very scary criminal empire. And I love it. I squealed like a pig.
1: I laughed out loud. I was the only one to react in my theater. Same here. My theater sucked. Nobody reacted. I cackled. And and he took his hood down. He's got fucking robot legs. Yeah. So the story goes, this is of course paraphrasing because I have not seen and read everything, that Uh, Through sheer force of hatred and willpower, he manages to stop himself from falling all the way down that chasm in episode one. He does not die from his injuries. He crawls through a vent and escapes and he goes to his brother and we all know what his brother's name is all savage oppress <laughs> <laughs> so dumb and then uh, so s- somewhere along the line he gets like robot spider legs for a while yeah. and then he gets like normal bionic like, and this bipedal. is all
0: established as canon because we've seen it in the rebels cartoon it happened
1: yeah in the in the clone wars cartoon and in rebels both of which are right. recognized as canon by lucasfilm which uh, we have said that but, but this is the first time anything yes, like that has ever literally up until been addressed. this
0: point, we haven't fucking seen it. And it yeah. really does change the stakes. I don't, I obviously have gone on record not giving a shit about episode one, two, and three. But you cannot deny that Darth Maul was arguably one of the best characters we've ever seen introduced. Absolutely fucking terrifying. And a Sith Lord they literally did nothing with.
1: Right. And yeah, it was such a criminal mistake that they killed him off. Yeah. The second he appears. And did you notice that when he was on screen, very faintly playing was Duel of the Fates?
0: Yes. I like, Absolutely. I
1: was, my whole body was tingling. <laughs> right. I loved
0: it so much. Now the next thing we like, there's been all this talk about, is there, or is there not going to be a young Obi-Wan film? That would be a great place to carry on this side story with Crimson Dawn And Obi-Wan meeting Darth Maul again, the guy who killed his teacher and stuff. That would be
1: wonderful. Here's the problem with that is that in canon, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan do not not meet again until about four or five years before A New Hope. Right. And then Obi-Wan kills him. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do. Alden Ehrenreich is signed on for at least three movies, I think. And since the Crimson Dawn stuff is so tied in with Kira, I don't know where they're going to follow up on this, but I would yeah. love a solo Obi-Wan movie. I would love but they it. have
0: definitely, they have opened the floodgates to some things that we kind of never thought we would see with this movie. And it really makes it worth seeing. It really does. It takes out that question of like, well, of course they are not going to die. They've introduced so much here that we never thought we would get on screen. Right. That it really is worth seeing for any Star Wars fan. And I'm not going to listen to anyone criticize Aaron Reich's performance. I thought he was great. I thought he was I great th- too. I thought he was great. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Haters are going to hate it, but they hated it before they went in. So
1: I mean, the movie's not perfect. There are definitely criticisms. Like, oh it, sure, there was a little bit. Of, there was a little bit too much of uh, like, here's how this thing happened. Here's how this thing happened. Here's how this thing happened. We didn't need to know all of Han Solo's most famous things in one movie. Sure, like. Here's how Chewbacca got his nickname. Here's how the Kessel Run happened. Here's where yeah. those fuzzy. Here's where those little metal dice came
0: from. Yeah, you je- you you certainly could have just had him start calling him Chewie. Yeah, here's yeah, where his like, blaster I'm came. Not saying like, that the whole time. Like it you was know.
1: so granular. Like here's where he got his iconic blaster. Like okay, we get it. Like I'm surprised mm-hmm. they didn't show him buying his vest.
0: <laughs> maybe in the next movie I don't know
1: there were a lot of quality jokes about Lando's capes though
0: yeah there really was <laughs> so on our scale of see it is go to the theaters and see it watch it as way for it to come to video and see it then or leave it or skip it yeah yeah
1: uh, well it's definitely see it
0: yeah it's a huge see it go to the theaters see this the effects are great they, they did a wonderful job explaining why the Millennium Falcon looks the way it looks. And you still get all the feels when you see the Millennium Falcon. This is a great movie. And I had a lot of fun with it. And now in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to have to see it again. But I would still say probably not, probably number four in my top four of the new films so far. That's how I feel right now.
1: I think Rogue One is better. I, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a more compelling story executed I think a little one bit more tightly. Rogue One is still my
0: favorite of the new Star Wars movies,
1: um, but I did really like it, and I definitely recommend it for people. Like you said, the instinct was like it's not going to matter. It matters.
0: It definitely matters, and it's made for multiple viewings. Like the other Star Wars movies, this one is definitely made for multiple. Viewings.
1: I'm off to the side, so we'll Of course, we want to know what you nerds thought of solo, so join us next weekend for THN Cover to Cover, where we will be having a full-on spoiler conversation. We're opening
0: the floodgates, Bobby, so feel free to nitpick.
1: Or if you don't want to call in, you can post your thoughts on the forums or on the Facebook fan page, wherever. We're already right. we're around, we're all over the place. Rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> we need some Star Wars subtitles for that. Exotion! Oh <laughs>
0: HN487, but before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, I need you to introduce the new question of the week. I can do that.
1: This week's question comes from our old pal, Corey D. from any, I read it that way because it rhymes. Got it. In Joe Hill's lock and key series, there are many different keys that allow the users to change and transform through their usage. What kind of key would you want to possess and why personally I'd want a time key to revisit different parts of my life screw the butterfly effect
0: okay and Keith and I yesterday opened it up to any key in fiction comics movies any kind of magical key which one would you want
1: well no he, he's asking you to create a, a key from lock and key that'll allow, allow you to do anything yeah but so, I want the
0: cause I want the cosmic key
1: that's that's not this question, Matt. This question is not what's your favorite fictional key? So, what? Who cares? THN is a listener supported
0: podcast, and we want to thank everyone that shells out their hard earned cash that they could be spending at their local comic book shop by supporting this show on PayPal and Patreon. That. In a run-on sentence. Without you, nerds, we cannot afford the locksmiths to come and let us into the ziggurat every time Joe Patrick forgets his keys in his other pants.
1: Look, it happens. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Carl Smith, Stately Lord Fungus, James Kaplan, and all the other listeners that helped me raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation over the past couple weeks. It didn't just happen on Free Comic Book Day, Donations, people have still been donating to me and I really appreciate it. Legend Comics and Coffee's fundraiser is still going strong. They've got an online donation page finally up and I will link it in the show notes. And so if you want to donate and enter to win some fabulous prizes, help a wonderful cause, please do. Word to you, sweethearts.
0: Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just pour his legend comics and coffee all over your crotch. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.